Alright, and welcome back to another episode of Bosnian American Professionals Podcast. And today, obviously, my name is Nedim Ramić. I'm a personal injury attorney here in the St. Louis area. And my co-host is... Dr. Avdić, I'm a chiropractor here in St. Louis. And today's guest is actually very, very, very special to our Bosnian American community here in the St. Louis area. Um, his real name is Ron Clutho. However, most of us know him as Amir Americanats. Amir, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you. And uh, you are like an honorary Bosnian, Gosh. my friend. That, that, that's what you are because I think you know more Bosnians than I do. That's probably possible, yeah. All right. So do, do tell us a little bit about yourself too. You know, I probably didn't introduce you properly the, the, the way you deserve it. So let's just start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I was an English as a second language teacher. I taught English in Japan. I studied linguistics and foreign language in school, including Russian. And um, I was working as an English as a second language teacher in the early 1990s. And I met a Catholic sister at a Catholic church who was working with refugees through the church. And she um, was there by herself, and I was interested in other cultures, so I asked her if I could help her, volunteer with, my, with the time I had, and she said yes. At that time, it was mostly Vietnamese refugees. And uh, I enjoyed it. I tried to learn Vietnamese language, but it was difficult for me. I had a really hard time with the language. It was, it's a tone language. It's got no relation to English, so it was not happening. Um, but shortly after that, we started to hear about Bos started to hear about Bosnia in the news about what was happening there. I probably was not that familiar with Bosnia. I'm ashamed to say, I, of course, I'd heard of Yugoslavia, but I wasn't that familiar with all of the republics of Bosnia, all the different parts. And but as we learned more and more about what was happening in the war, I, you know, I I, I was pretty upset to think that these things were happening in the 20th century when the world was watching it happen. So when I heard that uh, the Institute was, International Institute was starting to resettle Bosnians, I wanted to get involved, I guess. So I, many of your listeners probably remember Lainey Moss, who was a caseworker at the International Institute in the 90s. And I knew her, so I called her and I asked her if, if um, how I could help, if there were any new Bosnians coming in that that I could just spend time with, help in any way, and she said, come on down, I'll introduce you to somebody. So I went down there, this was probably 1993, and um, I was 10 years old at the time. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> and I met a very, very young couple. Their names were Nusret and Sanada Omerbasic. They were probably 18 years old, and they didn't speak English, I didn't speak Bosnian, so we mispopricali surukama nogama. Luckily, I'd studied some Russian, so I was, I knew some words that were kind of similar. But um, they were brand new. They were pretty traumatized emotionally, and they were living with three single men. And they weren't really single men, but they were men who had come here alone, directly from Sushitsa camp, concentration camp near Vlasenica. They 
um, didn't know, this was during the war still, so they didn't know, they hadn't, they hadn't been able to contact their families, and they came directly from, I guess directly from the camp to St. Louis. Families didn't know if they were alive, and they didn't know if their families were alive. So there were three men and this young couple sharing an apartment, 2623 Minnesota Avenue. 63118. Impressive. Yeah. And um, I went to visit, I, I, I guess I probably drove this couple home to their apartment and I met their roommates and I, you know, they were new so they didn't have much furniture and I think I probably um, kind of took a mental note of, of what kind of the needs were and so um, I just called family and friends and asked if anybody had some dishes and towels and things like that that they didn't need and I brought things down to you know to share with them I think I helped um, Nusret get a job and I gradually started learning some words I, I carried a little notebook with me and I'd write down new words as I learned them in, in Bosnian these are the people that gave me my name Ahmed Amenikonets so that's how mm -hmm. far back it goes yeah. so that's how I started yeah and I, I think I, when I, w I mentioned that I taught English in Japan when I was in Japan my Japanese name was Hiroshi so that, that yeah, Amir is not my first name. It's my, <laughs> my second name is my third name, and since then I've gotten Albanian names and Arabic names and Somali names and fifty names. But I guess Amir is, I don't know. That's my first new name in St. Louis, so it's kind of special to me. So I started to spend a lot of time with these people, and and um, then. Uh, other families started to come. You had no idea the wave that was coming no, your way. <laughs> no, they, I, they were on this block where these people I met lived, Minnesota, there were, it was, at one time there were probably 40 Bosnian families on that one block. There were a lot of four family flats on that block and so gradually it, it filled with Bosnians and so, you know, these first friends I made introduced me to the neighbors in their building and then and then as you know gradually people started sponsoring their relatives brothers and sisters so I I, what, I should have brought my address book with me to show you but it, I, I started to carry a little this is before the days of smartphones but I had a address book that I wrote down people's names and phone numbers in because I was meeting in the mid 90s probably 20 families a month Wow. and I, I couldn't keep them all straight so I, I have it now it's about eight inches thick it's falling apart it's so full but um, as I was meeting these new families I was kind of trying to learn the language and becoming more familiar I, I feel like I made a stronger connection with Bosnians than I did with Vietnamese because of the language connection and I was able to kind of understand a little bit better and that's what I was gonna actually ask you um, it, was that the reason why so many Bosnians came to St. Louis? Because they already knew someone here, so they would just sponsor each other. Well, that's or was there St. Louis looking for? Yeah, St. Louis was um, selected as one of about four American cities that would receive a large number of Bosnian refugees. Our State Department um, committed to taking a large number of Bosnians and they decided to, to locate people in 
cities that were not I think the word they used was oversaturated with refugees like Chicago or New York they wanted to find cities that could kind of um, they were housing available and jobs and things like that so we it was I think it was st. Louis Phoenix maybe uh, Des Moines Iowa mm -hmm. Utica New York like not all necessarily big cities but we we took a, a large number and then in those days, it was easier for people to sponsor their, they said, so they would send these guarantee letters, and so they, it, it, that's how it grew. But then, um, you know, probably, if, I think maybe up to a third of the Bosnians that are in St. Louis now were not originally settled here, but they were resettled in Boston or, you know, Chicago or somewhere, and they moved here be, maybe because it's, lower cost of living, maybe because they were jobs, or maybe because they found out they had relatives here. So our community grew pretty fast, and and I think, I hope that we did a good job as a city to welcome Bosnians, because we've been, you know, since then, the International Institute has sponsored, not as big as the Bosnian, but waves of people from other countries like Af Afghanistan, Somalia, um, lately. Burma, Bhutan. So I guess I hope that we are relatively refugee-friendly city. Yeah, speaking as a Bosnian American, I mean you have been most welcoming in as possible, and I was one of those who moved from different city. Okay. And that's also perfectly fine. You know, it's it's all good. My wife also moved from another city. Really? Yeah, and she moved here from Vermont. And she moved here in 2005, and that's how I met her. But when it comes to numbers, yeah. and a lot of people, and we discussed that before before we started recording. Yeah. You said about one third of the Bosnians were actually sponsored by the International Institute, approximately. Well, uh, no, I I think I, I think I said up maybe as many as one third were not sponsored by them oh, and okay. came here. I, and remember, in those days, there was also Catholic charities mm -hmm. that sponsored some families, not as many. But I I think I think the majority were originally resettled here but but maybe a third or maybe more moved here like from maybe, other cities yeah. from other parts of the yeah. country and I, I you know so. personally I think we just discussed reasons why they may have moved to, yeah. to St. Louis I think I think the biggest the biggest draw was there were so many Bosnians here already and yeah. they, they, they came to visit and they were like wow I can just go out to have some coffee with some <laughs> friends and there's gonna be like a millions of Bosnians yeah so I'm just gonna do it as well and I think that's how it happened with my wife as I said her, oh. her brother first came here visiting some friends he liked it he told his family and that's how they how they okay. moved to you know to St. Yeah. Louis well I believe it was easier sorry but I think it was easier for jobs as well because um, most of people didn't speak English and um, in St. Louis, if you know, like you I said, guarantee you one for the Yeah. Um, so they would ask their employees to hire more Bosnians. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I think Bosnians showed as a, as a hard worker, so they these were companies didn't mind hiring. Yeah. In those days, um, well, a lot of things I want to say. Before I forget, though, on the other hand, you know, as you know, refugees are free to move if they want to. Yeah. So. Whereas many Bosnians moved here from other cities, there were other groups that moved out of St. Louis. That's also true. For example, a lot of the Southeast Asians from Cambodia and Laos moved. It was, I guess it was too cold here for them. Mm. So many of them moved to Louisiana and Texas. 
Really? Um, yeah. So, you know, it's just interesting how communities build around certain cities. Um, talking about jobs, too, in those days in the 90s, it was really easy to find a job. And one of the things that I did when I was working at the church, and then even later, other jobs I've had with refugees, is help people find jobs. And I remember uh, in the beginning when we were trying to find jobs for Bosnians, a lot of the, you know, before they were a known quantity here, a lot of the employers were hesitant about hiring Bosnians because of language barriers and just cultural barriers, and they didn't really want to take a chance. But when, you know, after most employers had one or two, then they would call But they started breaking quotas, as the Bosnians said. Yeah. <laughs> and they the word got around that they were really good workers, everybody wanted Yeah, they would call us begging for more more workers. These employees were, were, were pleased with them. So, um, you know, they're willing to work overtime, and they're willing to come in early and stay late, and they, they're, they're just, they were known as, known as good workers. And... Um, so your you career know. path then kind of took you to that nonprofit refugee yeah, I uh, just service. Uh, when I was working at volunteering at the church, at the first couple of years, you know, the church is a, it was a poor city church without money to pay me a salary. But I felt like that I really found my niche, my calling. I felt like that was perfect job for me. Um, but I was teaching full-time and then just doing this in my spare time. But the reason I was able to go into this full-time was because um, Sister Paulette, who was the, my colleague there, Catholic sister, was in a religious community that was not getting more younger sisters entering as many of our Catholic religious orders are facing now. So uh, her her community had a they called it a mother house in in Saint in O'Fallon, Missouri. It's where um, it's like the headquarters. And in seventy five years ago, there were hundreds of sisters that lived there, and, and and they were they had a huge amount of land and buildings, but you know for many reasons, a lot of, not a lot of young women want to go into. To the to become a nun, so they had a lot of extra property and buildings, and so they began selling a lot of it off, and they used the profits to support ministries, like what I eventually did. So they basically funded or paid me a salary, so I was able to eventually do that full time, and it it happened to coincide time wise with the time when a lot of the Bosnians, when the biggest number of Bosnians were coming in, I would say probably 1995 to 1997 was when we had the most it most Bosnians coming in. And so that was, I mean, I seemed like it was by chance, but maybe it was meant to be that that's when I was able to start doing this full time. So um, I got very involved with the community. Um, one of the things that well, there were a lot of efforts that we did, but, you know, as you know, a lot of the, the first Bosnians I met were, you know, they were Logorashi. Mm -hmm. They were in concentration camps, and they were, they had suffered a lot, and and uh, they were having bad dreams and difficulties, and at the, in those days, 
I, I mentioned that St. Louis was kind of new with large numbers of immigrants and refugees. It was sort of a new, new experience for us as a city. So we didn't have a lot of things in place. For example, we didn't have interpreting, mm -hmm. interpreting agencies. We do now. We didn't have Bosnian lawyers and doctors like you guys. Yeah. It was all brand new. So um, another problem was we didn't have um, culturally competent, culturally sensitive mental health providers because a lot, you know, a lot of, I mean, let's face it, a lot of our, our, our Bosnians were in, were suffered a lot and were suffering from what we call in English post-traumatic stress disorder, ratna trauma. And um, over the course of a couple of years, there came to be, you know, we were able to set up some agencies and programs to serve that population. And it was difficult to get Bosnians to talk to somebody because it was sort of like maybe a shame in those days. They didn't want, they said, oh, I'm not crazy, I'm here, I don't need any help, I'm fine. But um, hmm. I think what happened was in when, when the economy started, when people were busy working, going to work, working double time, double shift, they were so busy and so tired, they didn't have time to think. They didn't have time to remember the past. But when a lot of people started getting laid off, I guess it was, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago in those days when the economy started to go bad, people, a lot of Bosnian guys I know had lost their jobs. They, you know, they were out of that routine of work. And so a lot of them then started having these flashbacks and memories of the past. And I think that was when we got um, some of them to agree to try seeing a therapist or a psychiatrist and you know it's not obviously it's not a shameful thing it, it would be it would be it would actually it would be strange if somebody didn't have trouble if they had survived what these guys survived so um, several Bosnians did talk to therapists and psychiatrists and, and found that it it helped a lot of them. So I think they were able to kind of spread the word to the other people in the community that it's, it's, it's okay and it's not a shameful thing, it's not a taboo. And so I, I think it's, it's sort of accepted now and, and we have a lot more in place. Now we're dealing with some of these newer communities where it's still kind of a taboo to talk about. And, you, and you're dealing with the new kids on the block, the kids that were born here or came here very young with their parents. So yeah. what you just told us basically, you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you, yeah. you were there when there was no infrastructure whatsoever when these large waves of, of, of refugees started yeah. coming in. And you kind of saw the infrastructure develop as well. Let me kind of ask you about this because you know best this story. Everybody is saying that the south city of St. Louis was a dying place until Bosnian Americans arrived. And now all of a sudden it was just <laughs> thriving. Is that is that kind of correct? Yeah. The Bevo area, which, I mean, they call that little Sarajevo, I guess now, that was an old German community in the up until World War II, probably. And then after, in World War II, after World War II, there was something called the GI Bill, which gave money to returning veterans from the world from World War II, money to just get started again. And so many of them, if they lived in the city, bought used that money to go out preko Canala <laughs> okay. to the suburbs of the county, 
And so neighborhoods like the Bevo area just sort of fell apart. They became ghost towns. And, and that stretch of Gravois up in, yeah, in the 1970s and 80s, it, would, it was like a ghost town. There was no businesses there anymore. But yes, Bosnian, I remember the, I think the first Bosnian business was Bosna Gold. Mm -hmm. And that was originally where Hollywood restaurant is now, and then they moved across the street. But I, I was so impressed and excited when I saw that first sign for the first Bosnian business. And then it just grew from there. And then, um, you know, I think I would say probably more than half, well over half of Bosnians live in the county now. I don't think many of them live I in think, the city I think, I think more than half. I think the yeah. majority of Bosnian Americans kind of live in South County right now. And then, South County, Arnold area, yeah. Yeah, uh, they yeah, improved they, financially. They yeah, and they, but, but they, when they were buying homes in the city too, they also, you know, fixed them up, made them look nice. You, you could always tell that a Bosnian was living there by the nice yard, the garden, and the shoes on the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. And you know, one thing Great that's market. really, that, and we just talked to one of our guests about it, is the opioid crisis. Mm. And I think you are also very involved with that. And you've seen some yeah. consequences within the Bosnian American community. Um, I know everybody's got their own ideas as to why it happened. Um, What's your stance on why some of the Bosnian American kids have kind of turned to drugs? Um, What's your theory, I guess? Well, yeah, I'm on that task force that Alden Lolich is working on. We, well, I think, um, I think the problem is that, well, I don't think it's affected the Bosnian community any more than it's affected any community. But because there are so many Bosnians in St. Louis, there are a lot of Bosnians that are involved with this, just like any other community. But I think, um, I may be wrong, but I, I feel like, um, you know, drugs were not common in Yugoslavia before the war. Maybe they were in some of the big cities, but uh, most of the Bosnians I know come from small towns or from rural areas, and so it was not really, it was unheard of. And I think when, you know, the Bosnian families, were, Bosnian parents were coming here in the 90s, they thought, okay, we're safe. This the war, you know. We left the war behind. Start a new life. Everything's fine. We'll just, you know, our kids will be okay. Go to work, work hard, make a living for our kids. But unfortunately, there are a lot of temptations in, in America for right. kids, especially in some of the rough schools that they were enrolled in at first. And so I think, um, you know, kids. I don't think the kids knew what they were getting into either. And so. I think I mean I know of some several families where the kids by the time the parents became aware of what was happening with the kids it was the kids were already too far gone they were addicted um, and uh, I, I think it's probably embarrassing for parents to admit to the community that their kids are having a, having I mean, like so Americans too okay. yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I would add to it too that I think that a lot of Bosnian Americans uh, look at it this way: if the pain medic medicine opioids is uh, prescribed by the doctor, they don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That yeah, that's a problem for the whole com 
yeah. larger community. So, so would you say that, that the newcomers were like uh, uh, less well equipped than the, the native born to deal with, well, the, with, the, with the something like this? They were unprepared? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't, don't take it the wrong way. I, I just feel like they, they, they didn't have exposure to this in Yugoslavia. And I tend to agree with that. That, that. That's why I'm asking. I tend to agree with it, that the exposure was not there. You don't know how to deal with it if it happens within your community. Yeah. And the taboo topic, yeah. you know, of, of opioids, you're like, oh my God, not my kid. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I think what, what, what you and Alden are dealing with now with the, you know, educational aspect of it and kind of bringing it to the forefront and say, hey, listen, yeah, it could happen to your kids as well. So here's what you need to watch yeah. out for, right? That's what we had a, we had a meeting, informational meeting over the weekend at, at the Bosnia, one of the Bosnian mosques, the one on Lime Ferry, and we had a pretty good group of people come and listen. We had uh, somebody from the National Council of Alcohol and Drug Addiction gave a presentation. We translated the information. We had an interpreter, but we also translated the PowerPoint into Bosnian, but unfortunately there were some technical difficulties. <laughs> but we had a good conversation afterwards, good reception. The, the idea was to share, to kind of Educate the parents, and, and believe me, American parents need education right. too. But educate the parents, and then also let young people know if if you're dealing with it, if you have a problem, there's help. Let us know. We're you know we left information. We're planning to do several more events coming up. I you know I know several young Bosnians that died of an overdose, and you know that really bothers me a lot. Because I knew them well, and and you know that they, it wasn't their fault. It they they did they just got you know it's an illness. It's a, it's it's not a it's not a moral failing. It's just some people are more easily addicted, and and so you know I I wanted to do my part to try to save more lives. I guess basically, and we're seeing it now with some of the other newer groups too coming in as immigrants. It's just, it's human nature, I guess. It's, and there are plenty of American kids are doing this too. Yeah, and you know, as we talked before, it's a nationwide epidemic. Yeah. It's not just, you know, St. Louis, it's not just Bosnian American community, it is nationwide. And, you know, as I said previously when we talked, I, heads off to you and your organization, because you guys must see a lot of this, you know, heartbreaking stuff that's going on in the communities. Yeah. And I know you guys try your best, but sometimes it just, you know, ends up in tragedy and it is what it is um but i think you've also seen and i'm switching gears here now you know some very great successes within the yeah. bosnian american community yeah, you've seen these new kids on the block come around and become you know very successful businessmen mm -hmm. successful doctors whatever mm -hmm. else and mm -hmm. that, that that must make you kind of proud because you're kind of well you're there from the <laughs> beginning helping them out I can take credit the for it. and you should I don't know if I can take credit, but I, I am, am impressed with, with uh, you know, when I was teaching at the community college, I had, I was teaching, when I was working at the church during the day, I was still teaching one class at night, and I had a lot of students who were refugees who worked during the day and came to class at night, and there were some Bosnians, I mean, all over the world, but some of them were Bosnian, and these were people that, some of them were, had been professionals back home, and, you know, they you know, professors and doctors, but they obviously couldn't go into their field without English and without the credentials. And so they worked 
factory jobs during the day and studied at night and you know over the course of several years many of them were able to get into their original field and that that's very impressive to me um, I think you know I, I, I always say that I, we, I think Americans take so much for granted we don't appreciate what we have here and it, it I one of the one of the things I really enjoy is seeing America through the eyes of immigrants mm -hmm. and refugees because you know you guys notice things that we don't um, that we just don't appreciate well and it's hard to explain that to somebody there is that saying that goes you don't know what you have until you lose it mm -hmm. I certainly hope that the Americans will never lose all the freedoms and all the great things yeah. that they've got going on here but as you said most people don't appreciate what they have until it's gone and you're right yeah. about that I think immigrants appreciate it more because they know where they've come from mm -hmm. and what opportunities are here in the United States. So I 100% I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I've, I feel like I've gained much more than I've given to working with this community. I've learned a lot about the value of family and community and um, togetherness. You know, we Americans, <laughs> I mean, it's a stereotype, but I guess it's true that, you know, Bosnians always say, Americans, you don't know your neighbors, you, <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you, uh, you don't spend time together, you, you go to McDonald's. I mean, that's, they think we go to McDonald's every day. That's not true. But <laughs> you know, the sad part about that story is now that, and, maybe, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think from personal experience, it's kind of true. That most Bosnian Americans are also falling into that way of life where they're spending much less and less yeah. time with their neighbors, their Bosnian American friends, and it, 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 they're just turning into these like, hey, workaholics, you get yeah. home, you have a beer, you watch a game, you go back to work, you yeah. socialize. And I think that's also affecting their mental well being. Maybe so. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I have seen that too. They, they're becoming more like us. For better or for worse, there. Well, it yeah. just it is. But Adi Yeah. Very true. But it is the melting pot. What else yeah. would you expect? I mean, at the end of the day, everybody you know is going to assimilate some, uh, you know, uh, uh, groups sooner than yeah. others. But I think at the end of the day, it's just going to happen to everybody. And I was just going to ask you very briefly. You, at some point, working with Bosnians, um, Bosnian Americans now, you travel. To Bosnia to visit. Mm -hmm. What was your impression of Bosnia? We usually oh, yeah. <laughs> ask our guests what was their first impression of America when they arrived mm -hmm. in the U.S. And um, it will be kind of interesting to know what was your first impression of Bosnia. Well, first of all, I, I should tell you I was I went to Bosnia 20 years ago this m well this year ni 1999, and it was. Bosnians in St. Louis collected money and bought me a plane ticket and sent me there. I don't know if you knew that. One way ticket? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Round trip. And they, I, I was there for a month and I, I stayed with eight different families over the course of a month. And they, it was people that I, they didn't know me, but their relatives here contacted them and asked them to host me. So um, I was staying with some people who were living as internal refugees, they were living in places without running water sometimes, without electricity, without heat, and it was cold. <laughs> I was there in March, 
And but I felt like <laughs> I, I felt like a king because of the hospitality. That's another thing, hospitality that we, we don't have in this country. So I, 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 I was living with people that were struggling economically after the war, but they, you would think you were staying with royalty because just the hospitality, they, they, they were very welcoming to me. And so I got to see a lot of the country, I got to travel around, it was beautiful. I had Burek and Bastarshia and you know I went to Velo Bosnia and it was wonderful. I hope to go back and again. What I my goal is to uh, go to the Memorial Center in Srebrenica and Potocari. I I really wanted that's on my bucket list. I didn't get to do that last time, but I I really feel like I'd like to see that because I I've connected with so many people from there here and um, so. That's my, my next trip whenever I go. All right, all right. Let me ask you this now because um, we've talked about a lot of things. Is, is the, I know you mentioned when you, f when you first arrived that, that now you're working with other groups of people and uh -huh. there's uh, an event coming up. Am I understanding oh, it correctly? Yeah, there is um, June 26th is the United Nations Day in support of victims of torture. It's a, it's a, it's a reckon, it's an, internationally recognized day since 1997. June 26, because that is the anniversary of the founding of the United Nations in 1945, and it's also the day in 1987 that this Convention Against Torture and Genocide was established. So my agency, I, I, work, I don't work at the church anymore, I work now for an agency called Bilingual International Assistance Services. It's, it's service, an agency that works with immigrants and refugees. And we have an event every year on that day at the History Museum. And this year, because it's the 25th, this is the 25th anniversary of the genocide in Rwanda, we are having an event commemorating that. And we have uh, a, a guest speaker who is a survivor of the genocide. She's going to share her testimony. And we have some other informational material in the lobby. It's going to be June, I don't know when this will air, but it's going to be June 26th. It's a Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock at the History Museum in Forest Park. Um, in past years, we've had, uh, one year we had a panel of uh, people from other countries sharing their stories, We had, including one from Bosnia. And it's, it's always well attended. I think, I think a lot of Americans don't know that much about the world, but I, I think that people are becoming more interested in learning more about it. Um, I also notice a lot of similarities between um, what happens in all these countries. I, so many similarities between Rwanda and Bosnia. I, I, the more I hear about Rwanda, the, the more I, it's unbelievable how these minor ethnic, quote unquote, ethnic differences were, you know, magnified by some people to set people against each other and mm -hmm. and um, the way the world allowed these things to happen is shameful and um, the way what I would call hate speech was or propaganda was used to set people against each other it's 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 really you know sadly the same thing over and over again but um, you know, we, 
I always say if you drive down South Grand, you can see what's happening in the world because we've got people from countries with trouble winding up in our city here. And our city is the richer for it, but it's terrible that people like you guys have to leave your country because of terrible things. Yeah, so. that's very true. And, you know, I always go back to that to that research by St. Louis University that shows that immigrants enrich a city so much because of their, you know, economic entrepreneurship. They, they open up businesses and then they contribute so much. But I also think that immigrants are so much better off when they come here to St. Louis and be kind of like that, that melting pot mentality. Everybody learns from each other and everybody gets better in the process. And so that's why I'm a little uh, surprised by this anti-immigrant refugee rhetoric that's been going on in, in, in our country in recent times. But that's, that's a topic for another time, <laughs> I, I guess. Yeah, but we're all, my, my great-grandfather was a refugee. And um, he, he came from Belgium and in the 19th century and came when he was 19 without money, without language, no family. And um, he gradually, you know, in those days there was no international institute, there was no interpreters, no food stamps, no Medicaid, no nothing. And he worked hard, factory work, eventually went to college and became an architect. And he, I don't know if you're familiar with St. Francis de Sales Church. That's a big church on the corner of Gravoy and Jefferson. People know it if they go down to the immigration office that way. <laughs> but he designed that church. Wow. And he came from, you know, so that's what I like to call the American dream. It's, it's not, as you know, it's not easy to come here. It's not easy to start. But people have opportunities to become successful if they if they do their you know if they work hard they learn the language obviously would you would you would you say that immigrants refugees believe more in the american dream than the americans themselves nowadays a lot of times yeah i tend to agree with that they i i remember clearly recently this happened recently i i was um i was visiting a, a family from ethiopia who was a they were recent immigrants here and they they were brand new they didn't even have social security cards yet and we were they were living over on Gravoy near Grand <laughs> that's where a lot of Bosnians started out huh? yeah that's where a lot of Bosnians <laughs> started out and we were it was in a, one of those two family buildings and we were he was walking me outside you know like hospitality like Bosnians walking the guests to the door and we were standing on the front porch and there were there was litter in the gutter and there was, you know, just, it was dirty and there were people yelling at each other and, and he said, look at this. I, he said, you, you Americans look at this and you see a wasteland, you see, you know, you see despair. I see opportunity. <laughs> he said, as soon as I get my, my social security card, I'm going to get two jobs and I'm going to, I see nothing but opportunity here. And I thought, this is... That's that's really something because I think most Americans would just be defeated. I mean, many many Americans are defeated. They have have given up trying, and um, they don't they don't. It's not easy, I know, but if you, I still think if you try hard, you can make something. It's very true. Oh, absolutely. 
I don't know. Is there anything, um, Amir, that we haven't talked about that you would like to touch upon? Um, because I want to be respectful of your time. I know we've been doing it for for a while now, and so if you would like to add anything, no, I think I, I've I've we talked about most of the things. I I I just feel really if you call me an honorary Bosnian, that's a big honor to me because I I really appreciate it. I, I feel accepted in the community and um, I you know I, I appreciate what Bosnians have done for me. I remember when I moved to my house I had probably 30 carfuls of Bosnians coming to help me move. I didn't even ask them to they just came. Um, if I ever need anything done, you know, every Bosnian is a universality meister, so <laughs> they can help me with everything, anything I need. So I, I, I feel like, if anything, I'm, I'm the winner in this relationship. I, I, I feel lucky to be able to have met so many Bosnians. And, and I think I can things. speak in the name of, of all Bosnians here in the St. Louis area and nationwide that the feeling is mutual. Oh. I, you know, we want to thank you for all the great things that you've done for our community. And uh, looking forward to, to, to do, you know. yeah, looking forward to another, let's see Bosnians say it's another 105 <laughs> years and then again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for speaking with us. And uh, Addis, anything else that you want to add? No, just thanks for everything. Thank you guys, and you have yourself a wonderful rest of the day, wonderful rest of the week, and stay safe out there.